the dangers of Medicare coverage for Wagovi, ZepBound, and other weight loss interventions. This is the Weight and Healthcare Newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing and or sharing at weightandhealthcare.com. Moving forward, I'm going to be writing about efforts on a number of fronts that are trying to recommend weight loss and, in particular, weight loss drugs to older adults. Much of this is part of the weight loss industry's holy grail of getting their drugs approved by Medicare. The backstory here is that the law passed in 2003 that created Medicare Part D specifically prohibits Medicare Part D plans from covering weight loss medications. The weight loss industry, led by pharma companies, particularly Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly, and their astroturf organizations like the Quote Obesity Action Coalition and the Quote Obesity Society, are currently engaged in a full court press to get Part D coverage of these drugs. Medicare is government-run insurance for people 65 and older in the U.S. As we discussed previously, a big part of the weight loss industry's manifest destiny-esque approach to expanding their market is to get their drugs used by ever older and younger markets and to get government insurance coverage. Insurance coverage is important to them, not just because it expands their market, but because it means that they can continue to set the price for their medication much higher than most people can afford and then pass the additional cost on to taxpayers. For example, Wagovi, Novo Nordisk's current diet drug, is about $1,300 per month and must be taken for the duration of someone's life, or Novo's own research shows, weight will be quickly regained. Though, I do want to point out that at this point, we only have a couple of years of research, and it suggests that weight may be regained even by those who stay on the drugs. At any rate, per a KFF report called What Could New Anti-Quote Obesity Drugs Mean for Medicare? Quote, If 10% of Medicare beneficiaries with, quote, obesity use Wagovi, the annual cost to Medicare could be $13.6 billion based on a 19%, quote, obesity rate from traditional Medicare diagnoses in 2021 to $26.8 billion based on a 41.5, quote, obesity rate from survey data for adults ages 60 and older. Higher take-up rates would mean higher Medicare spending. For context, total annual Part D spending in 2021 was $98 billion, end quote. They also point out that, quote, if covered by Medicare, weight loss drugs could be among the limited number of drugs that will be subject to Medicare's new Drug Price Negotiation Authority, but not for several years. At the earliest, a negotiated price for semaglutide, for example, would not be available before 2027, based on FDA approval in late 2017, and not before 2031 for terzepatide, based on FDA approval in 2022. Another provision would subject weight loss drugs to the new law's inflation rebate that aims to limit annual increases in drug price. End quote. And again, they could be among the drugs subject to price negotiation authority, but it's not certain. I'll get into the legislation and campaigns and upcoming posts, but I think it's important to talk about the fact that Medicare coverage of drugs is obviously good for the pharmaceutical companies and their AstroTurf orgs, but is it good for the patients 65 and older on Medicare? The first question to ask is how many people in this age group were actually part of a study population? Study results both the tested outcomes and side effects, can only be applied to people in the same demographic groups as those who were in the study. While they don't include specific numbers in terms of age, we know, for example, that in Novo's Step 5 trial, most participants were female, 
defined as cis female with no trans or non-binary representation. A staggering 93.1% were white, and they had a mean age of 47.3 years. For Eli Lilly's ZepBound Surmount 4 trial, 70.6% of randomized participants were cis women, again, with no trans or non-binary representation, and 80.1% were white, with an overall mean age of 48 years old. It's concerning that the average age is almost two decades younger than the youngest Medicare recipients. Given the mean age and standard deviation, it appears that few of the study's participants were age 65 and above, and even fewer were also cis men and or people of color. When they are out there claiming that the lack of Medicare coverage for these drugs for people over 65 is a deep injustice, maybe ask why they didn't bother to include this population in the drug trials they funded and conducted at the same rates at which they appear in the population, which means that the use of the drugs among this population is essentially experimental medicine. The same question can be asked about their push to get their drugs widely to marginalized communities, including Black and Indigenous people of color who were underrepresented in their trials, but that is a topic for a different day. There's also the growing body of evidence that shows muscle loss with these drugs. Given that older adults, including and especially postmenopausal cis women who experience muscle loss, are specifically at higher risk for developing osteoporosis and or becoming frail, this is significant. A New York Times article called the risks of taking drugs like Ozempic when you're over 65, explains, quote, the more muscle someone over the age of 65 loses, the greater their risk of becoming frail or suffering a fracture or fall, which can be fatal in older adults. It is crucial for older adults to maintain muscle mass, end quote. It also points out that these medications can increase the risk of low blood pressure and compromise strength and stamina. Dr. Andrew Craftson a clinical associate professor at Michigan Medicine said in the article, quote, The picture of frailty would be someone with osteoporosis, prone to fall, who has fractures, who's unable to do a lot of their activities, end quote. These drugs, when given to those 65 and older, aka Medicare eligible, appears to increase the risk of exactly that situation. In fact, there is already a body of research finding that weight loss, including intentional weight loss in older adults, consistently increases the risk for everything from fractures to earlier death. Before I get into this, there are some things to note. This is not an exhaustive list. Feel free to go to weightinhealthcare.com and add studies that I missed in the comments. I have many issues with the methodology of these studies, and the studies covered more than what I've quoted here. My point here is that it is a significant enough body of evidence over a long enough timeline to create serious concerns about pushing these drugs on older adults. Here are some of the studies. Newman et al. 2001 found that even a modest 3% decline in body weight is an independent marker of increased mortality risk in older adults. Ensrud 2003 found that older cis women who experience weight loss in later years have increased rates of hip bone loss and a twofold greater risk of subsequent hip, hip fracture, irrespective of current weight or intention to lose weight. Janssen et al. 2005 found in older adults, higher BMI is associated with lower mortality rates. Lee et al. 2011 found that older cis men who lost weight, total lean mass, or total fat mass had a higher risk of mortality than men who remained stable. Cheng et al. 2015 found that weight loss is associated with higher mortality risk among community-dwelling adults 60 years and older. Chen et al. 2019 found that weight loss from middle to late adulthood was associated with increased risk of mortality. 
Nordstoka et al. 2019 said, quote, we found that weight loss was associated with a higher risk of mortality regardless of change in physical activity. Our findings suggest that maintenance of physical activity is beneficial in this group. It does not eliminate the increased mortality associated with weight loss. Javed et al. 2020 found that among studies examining BMI change, increases in BMI demonstrated lower mortality risk compared with decreases in BMI. Shadyab et al. 2023 found that weight loss of greater than or equal to 5% versus stable weight was associated with lower odds of longevity. Hussein et al. 2023 found that among men, loss of 5% to 10% of body weight and loss of more than 10% of body weight were associated with a 33% and 289% increase in mortality, respectively. Among women, loss of 5% to 10% of body weight and loss of more than 10% of body weight were associated with 26% and 114% increase in mortality, respectively. We know that the pharmaceutical industry in general, and Novo Nordisk in particular in their treatment of insulin, have a long history of putting profits over people, and the push for Medicare coverage of these drugs certainly seems consistent with that previous behavior. Did you find this post helpful? You can subscribe for free to get future posts delivered direct to your inbox or choose a paid subscription to support the newsletter and the work that goes into it and get special benefits. Go to weightandhealthcare.com and click subscribe.